Hello, welcome to the All Good Things podcast. My name's Nick. This is episode one, Man of Steel. I'm going to talk today about the 2013 movie Man of Steel, directed by Zack Snyder and uh, produced by Christopher Nolan. I'll start off by saying that growing up, I think Superman was probably my favorite superhero. Um, I myself am adopted and I wonder if uh, that was some subconscious reason why I gravitated towards that character more than others, but, you know, I was a huge fan of the uh, original Superman movie, uh, Superman the movie with Christopher Reeve, I I still love that movie, and uh, the amazing John Williams score that's in that movie. Uh, But we're talking about Man of Steel today, and uh, it's received lots of criticism and I think it's unjust because I, I really love this film. I, I think it's a fantastic uh, superhero movie. Um, I think it's a fantastic introduction to a character. And uh, one of the things, as you'll hear me go on about the movie, is um, I think this movie is a very important chapter one in a great long story that DC slash Warner Brothers is uh trying to tell with these movies uh, that they're doing now um, and and I think it accomplished the things that they meant to accomplish of course I had no hand in making the movie and this could all just be my own opinions here and, and have nothing to do with what they actually meant but um, but uh, but I think I've got a pretty good idea of uh, what these uh, directors and producers meant um, when creating this film so backing up a little bit, uh, let me talk about the Dark Knight trilogy, the Nolan Batman trilogy uh, that is so beloved amongst most anyone who's seen that movie, whether you're a comic book fan or not. And one of the things that I think uh, is so um, important to why that those movies had great success and why people love them so much was Nolan tried to make everything real he set out to show what would happen if batman was really in our world today you know what if there was this billionaire that could afford all these toys and gadgets and how would he actually become a vigilante what would he do uh what decisions would he make and uh what would be the repercussions uh in society uh dealing with this uh batman uh this character and um, I, I think that's really important in understanding that Christopher Nolan helped um, produce this film, Man of Steel. And I think they tried to carry that same theme over into this movie. And that being is, is what would happen if today in our real world, if this alien uh, lived among us, if he was shot here from another planet and uh, was orphaned and adopted by humans uh, in Kansas and and uh, raised up and uh, has all these powers, you know, what would he do with them? How would he act? How would we act to him? How would re- we react to him if uh, he became known to us? Uh, what would happen if there was this alien invasion by people just of his own likes and um, people I think tend to forget that when looking at this movie because they say a lot of things like 
Superman wouldn't do this and Superman wouldn't do that and he wouldn't kill Zod and he wouldn't let all those people die and let all that destruction happen. But there's something very important that I think that the director and producers are trying to tell us in simply the title of the film. It's called Man of Steel. It's not called Superman. And I think they mean for that to tell us that he is not Superman yet. Uh, this is an origin story. This is a birth of uh, this character. And he, in fact, I don't believe is referred to Superman, but one time in the whole film, uh, not even Henry Cavill isn't anywhere in the scene. It's just an anecdote of somebody saying uh, that's what they're calling him. Um, so, uh, so I think that's very important to remember while uh, viewing this film and understanding what the directors are trying to tell us. And, and I think that that even carries over into the next film, Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, which I'll talk about in the next episode of the podcast here. Um, so another thing I just kind of want to talk about is the score. I, I really enjoy Hans Zimmer's score here. It's, you know, it's very, uh, minimal, minimalistic. It's very subdued. It's, um, but again, I, th I think that Hans Zimmer is trying to tell us something, uh, with the score. You know, it, it sounds like a beginning. It sounds like, uh, just the start of something. And, um, I, you know, have no idea if they're going to do this. Of course, Justice League is about to come out. It comes out uh, tomorrow as I'm recording this. And um, I feel like the character doesn't truly become Superman until the probably inevitable resurrection of him in the Justice League movie, uh, which we all assume is going to happen, of course, in Batman vs. Superman. He dies in that film. Uh, everybody is assuming that he comes back. And I think it would be smart uh, for them to um, expand upon the score uh, because I think that that's probably the point that he will become the character that people are expecting Superman to be. Uh, a character that he is not in this film in Man of Steel and Batman vs. Superman for the most part. And, uh, and I, I really feel that that's very intentional um, by the writers and director and producer here. Um, also, anecdotally, um, if you search around on YouTube, you can find a uh, video that talks about Hans Zimmer's score, and you can actually see where he gained inspiration from John Williams' classic Superman score, and uh, it's very cool to hear how there truly are similarities uh, in in that, and and also with his Batman music, um, the inspiration he he drew from uh, the original '89 Batman uh, score as well. Um, but getting on to the, into this movie, um, I'll just kind of go through it uh, from the beginning to the end. You know, I'll maybe skip some parts here, but I'm just going to talk about the things that I love about this movie and, and what I think uh, uh, make it a great movie. And, and some of these things are a lot of things that people criticize about this movie. But again, I, I think they're not, it's not fair, not just criticism, because they're not looking at it in the lights that the 
director wants us to see these characters. So starting off, uh, you know, we get the same story that we've gotten many times in the past of, of uh, Jor-El, Superman, or let me stop there and say I'm going to stop calling him Superman in the rest of this podcast because, as I just mentioned, I don't believe he is Superman in this movie. So I'll call him as Kal-El or Clark uh, Kent uh, moving forward. So, um, so anyway, we see Jor-El uh, and Laura, uh, Kal-El's birth parents, uh, preparing to send him off in a ship, uh, sending him off to Earth uh, and Krypton is about to be destroyed. And um, despite the fact that we've seen that many times before, either in the movies or cartoons or the comic books, uh, I, I like the way that they did this. We got a new look to Krypton. It was it's a very, uh, very uh, advanced race of people, beings that you see uh, a lot of uh, interesting technology um, and uh, just the visuals that you see in this, you know, there's a lot going on. It's, it's much more than the simple little crystal palaces that we got to see uh, in, in Superman, the movie. Um, but uh, you get to see a lot of the beasts of burden, the, the, the animals uh, in the, uh, in this world and uh and i just think it was a, a really cool visual and you get introduced to you know reasons why zod acts how he does in this uh in this movie i think michael shannon did a great job as zod it's, it's a little bit of a different job just a much more um uh, military figure um someone who's just there to um protect his race and 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 uh, at all costs um and uh, I just I, I think he he did a fantastic job in here, and Russell Crowe I think did a great job as Jor El too, um, and and further on into the film uh, where he's Jor El's conscious uh, hologram whatever you want to call it computer uh, later on uh, I think it was really cool I was a little sad to see that um, it evidently looks like he may not be back based on the events in the film but. You know, who knows, maybe uh, in a future uh, sequel that, that maybe they'll figure out a way to bring him back because I think he did a great job. Um, so uh, moving on after uh, Kal-El gets launched in the ship, we see it about to crash to Earth, and then all of a sudden it flash forwards, you know, some 30-odd years uh, to where Kal-El Clark is, uh, you know, an adult. And uh, I like the fact that they played with time during this, that it didn't just tell the story completely linearly. I like the uh, back and forth um, that they chose to do of going back and forth from today and then different times in Clark's uh, childhood uh, growing up and experiencing his new powers, learning his powers, finding out uh, about himself. And uh, I think the whole purpose of these scenes are to show us that, you know, um, Ma and Pa Kent taught him well. You know, he's he's naturally wanting to help people. He's just struggling uh, himself with understanding his his place in the world. You know, well, he's he's an alien. He he 
doesn't know what his origins are. He's got all these powers. He doesn't know what to do with them. Uh, Jonathan Kent, played by Kevin Costner, who, again, I think did a phenomenal job in this role. I think it's one of Kevin Costner's best roles uh, in the you know many amazing movies that he's been in. I, I really think this is one uh, of the best characters uh, he, he's portrayed. But um, going on to see the things that he does and the way he saves various people uh, throughout growing up and, and into today, and I think the whole purpose there, again, is just to show us that, you know, he, he wants to do good. He just he doesn't exactly know how to go about it or what to do and stay hidden at the same time since uh, Jonathan has instilled fear into him of, uh, of staying hidden that, that – people might react um, oddly towards him or want to take him into uh, science uh, laboratories and poke and prod him because he's strange and different and whatnot. Um, but getting into the part where he saves the bus of his, uh, his schoolmates um, after he saves the bus and... Uh, there's the scene where he's crying in the back of the truck and uh, Jonathan Kent comes up to him and starts talking to him and says, you know, hey, we talked about this. You can't expose yourself. And this scene was in one of the trailers for uh, the movie before it came out and it, it makes me tear up. It made me tear up when I saw it in the trailers. It made me tear up when I saw it in the... Uh, theater and just about every single time uh, that I watched the movie but his asking of you know what was I supposed to do let him die and the way that Kevin Costner delivers the line maybe it, it's just it's so obvious that he is telling him yes it might have been more important to die because you are so important to me because People can't know you. People can't find out about you because they'll take you away from me. You're, you're my son. You're, you know, you're more important to me than anything. And and uh, I, I just, there's so, so much in that scene that you don't really realize. It's it's so such a quick line, but I think it delivers a lot of emotion that is unspoken there. Um, and moving on into where he finally tells. Clark, you know, that he's an alien, that he's from another planet, shows him his ship that he arrived in, and and uh, with with uh, Clark sitting there telling him, he's like, I, I don't want all this, I, I just can't I be your son, and Jonathan about crying, saying, you are my son, you know, maybe it's the fact that I'm a father myself now, uh, or not that I get so choked up about this, but, you know, and again, you know, maybe the fact that, you know, me being adopted it has something to do with it too. I don't, I don't know, but, but I, I tears come down my face every time that happens, and and such a great uh, delivery by um, Kevin Costner uh, in, in that scene. So um, moving on to when he finds uh, the ship in the ice uh, back into the present day, um, you know this this was a really cool scene and and. Uh, you know, I hope there was a, there's a part in there where they showed some of the uh, 
pods of uh, where I guess um, the Kryptonians uh, slept or uh, stayed in when they uh, traveled through space, whatnot. You know, there were there were some that had some skeletons inside it, and then, but then there was one that was open. And um, I I hope that they figure out a way to use that in a future film and a future sequel. That would be, in my opinion, a really cool way to possibly introduce maybe uh, Supergirl into it. Um, but uh, but but I hope they do something with that. I hope it just wasn't a, a throwaway scene there. And uh, you know I was really hoping that they would use this uh, ship to become the Fortress of Solitude for him. I think that would have been a really cool thing to do too. But um, apparently, as we see in the events of Zod taking that ship over and it crashing, and then ultimately being use uh in the next movie which you know i won't get into now but um you know i i doubt that they're going to do that but uh i, I think it would have been a cool opportunity to, to to use that as the fortress of solitude um but uh shortly after that uh it, it goes through the scenes of lois uh trying to figure out um who this guy is after he leaves her after saving her um, she's going back through trying to t interview people and then she puts everything together. And, uh, you know, uh, when I first saw this and, um, it, it bugged me for about a half a second, the fact that what Lois Lane is going to know that Clark Kent is Superman or Kal-El. Um, but, you know, at the same time, people have often joked, uh, you know, over the years that, you know, if, if Lois Lane is supposed to be this amazing reporter, how come she can't figure out that that uh, Clark Kent is just Superman with glasses on? So so I, I very quickly became OK with the fact that she knows who he is. And, uh, you know, it, it takes that piece of the story of you know playing around with things away but at the same time it gives you an opportunity to tell different storylines and so um so i was i was i was okay with that ultimately and um and, and i think that's good and and while i'm talking about lois uh, amy adams I, I really like her portrayal as lois in this uh, i think she does a great job and um you know all the the whole cast I, I i really loved i mean i think henry cavill makes a great superman despite people complaining about him saying he's emo superman or whatnot you know again i think things are done very purposefully in the way that his uh portrayal of this character has been again i think that he is not superman he's someone figuring out his way figuring out what to do figuring out how to live and and act in this world in this uh post 9 11 uh world and I, I think that's important to remember too going on later into the movie um but uh shortly after this is where she finds uh clark in the graveyard in front of uh his father's grave and he tells the story to her of when Jonathan Kent dies uh, in the uh, the tornado, and uh, I believe Clark is supposed to be 17 or 18 years old in this scene, somewhere around there. I think that's about right. You know, he um, you know is having a, a very typical teenager parent argument um, of that time, and. Uh, this this scene where everybody complains of why would he let him die you know he could just run over there and save him real quick you know this this 
uh, I, you know, could kind of tell that this was about to happen. It shocked me when I saw it. I was, I, um, you know, because typically we've seen in the past of Jonathan dying of like a heart attack or something along those lines. But um, this scene sh- just shows you when, when Jonathan is sitting there and he's trapped and his foot's hurt and he knows he can't make it. He knows he's going to die he sits there and, and, and you can tell Clark is about to run to him, but he puts his hand up and he tells him no. And, and Clark listens to his father and, and he can't believe he's about to watch his father die. And, and he knows he's about to die. And, and I think that's a very powerful scene. You know, he's, he's sacrificing himself for his son. He uh, does not want this still kid Again, remember, he is supposed to be about 17 or 18 years old. He, he doesn't want his child to be exposed. He's still trying to protect his child. Even in dying, he's trying to protect his child. And uh, and so you can see the emotion in Henry Cavill's face when he dies. You know, it just he can't believe that he... He can't believe that he's letting himself not save his father. But at the same time, he's trying to respect the wishes of his father and uh, you know obviously a, a very difficult uh, moment for him so you know pe- people i think are, are too hard on this uh well this whole film but you know this scene of letting jonathan die i think it's important um and whatnot so uh so moving on shortly i'm just going to skip around a little bit now and, and get on to uh to the fight scene you know towards the end of the movie here where where zod comes down to earth and and now there's all of a sudden a bunch of kryptonians that have the same powers as clark and you know people complain again about you know oh why is there so much destruction you know you can't you can't have all that destruction why could how could superman let all those people die why couldn't he take the fight elsewhere you know i, I you know i i don't think in the way that zod was in that moment i don't think that he he would let him you know, again, you know, th- this is supposed to be what would really happen. Uh, you know, obviously we'll never know, you know, unless there really are aliens out there with uh, powers like this that'll come down to Earth. But, I mean, I think this is our best guess of what what would really ha- happen. What, how would this these characters react in these situations? And, and what would we do? You know, how would our military respond to this? How would they act? How would they act towards this person? Um, and... You know, I, I I just think that everything about this was done with that intention, with that theme of how how would it actually play out, and I think it was done perfectly. Um, and then at the end, you know, killing Zod, you know, he obviously he, again spoilers, he kills Zod, but he does so to save a family, to save his adoptive race uh as adopted people you know they're um you know he he takes it as a last precaution precaution there to save the people and um you know i think it's all that he could do all that he knew to do to to stop him because he knew that zod would stop at nothing and there was nothing that he could do to prevent it and it was the only course of action he could take and you know People say, well, Superman never kills. Superman doesn't kill. Well, you know, again, think about it. Again, I don't think he's Superman at this point. He's still learning his place. And maybe this is the one thing 
that he learns from that doesn't let him kill in the future. This is the one thing that uh, he always remembers to stop. You know, he had to kill someone of his own race to save another race of people. And, and I think that's very powerful. And you can see the, the anguish in Henry Cavill's face as, as he screams after the fact of, of killing Zod. You know, the, the emotion there, I, I, think, uh, I think it was just expertly done by Henry Cavill and whatnot. So that brings us pretty much to the end of the movie. And um, so again, I mean, uh, you know, watch this film again and, and think of it in those eyes and think of it as, you know, okay, let's pretend that we've never heard of Superman. Let's pretend that we don't know this character. This is a new story, something just brand new got dropped in our laps. And, and uh, let's take our real world of today um, and, what, you know, what would happen? What, how would everything play out if, if these events actually occurred? And I think that they certainly accomplished that. And um, so, you know, I know that Zack Snyder gets tons of grief uh, with these movies, but, you know, if, if, if there's one thing he does, he, he delivers beautiful movies. You know, I mean, despite just the visuals, again, as all the things that I've mentioned of why I love this movie, I, I, I think he did an expert job. But, um, you know, if you go back to all the comic book movies that he's done and, and uh, you know, from from 300 to Watchmen um, to this movie and Batman vs. Superman, you know, one thing that Zack Snyder it's really seems to have a knack or a, an ability to do is to take a image from a comic book or a, or something, you know, um, like, uh, what's drawn in a comic book and, and bring it to life in real world. I mean, there's so many, uh, images in, in all of his films that are, that are based off of comic books that are, it makes it seem like it's literally the comic book coming to life out of the pages. And, and so, uh, so, so kudos to Zack Snyder. I, I hope he keeps it up. I hope that, um, Warner Brothers doesn't, you know, try to shoo him away just because people complain negatively about it. And, uh, you know, uh, the the rating systems out there, I, I don't put much stock into those. You know, there's plenty of movies that I love that um, receive poor ratings. And the hell, there's lots of movies that receive great ratings that I, that I don't like. But uh, anyway, um, you know, take a watch this movie again and and i encourage you again to try to try to watch with fresh eyes and try to try to watch it you know with that theme of you know uh, what if this was actually real and i think that you'll see that that this movie is a lot better than than people uh think or project so uh the next episode we'll get into batman versus superman and uh and i'm gonna just so you know talk about the extended version more so than the theatrical release um so if you haven't seen that and uh you want to check it out before uh, listening to the next episode please do check out the extended version i think it's a um a much better film i i, I like the theatrical version but i think the extended version really adds to the story there are certain little um 
side stories that are going on, uh, little themes that are happening throughout in the theatrical version that just got cut, out, or excuse me, out of the extended version that got cut uh, and put out of the uh, theatrical release that really add to the story and uh, make it a much better film. So, um, so for now. Uh, I hope you subscribe to this. Uh, I don't know how often I'm gonna uh, post these, but you know I'll try to do it on a somewhat regular basis. But uh, for now, all good things have come to an end. And thank you for listening. Bye bye.